Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We've got good, crazy, and more crazy for the Three Martini Lunch today. I think we had two crazies yesterday, so uh, we're on a good pace for a lot of crazies this week. But, uh, Jim, let's start with the good. And, boy, did you foreshadow this a couple of weeks ago when you said that Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin was going to win the mask war. It was only a question of when or how. And, well, I think we pretty much know the answers to both now because he got one win in court earlier this week uh, against Chesapeake uh, County folks who were trying to fight his mask mandate. That was thrown out by the Virginia Supreme Court. But a judge in Arlington had ruled in favor of some of the northern Virginia school districts that were defying the mask mandate. Their argument among those uh, northern Virginia school districts was that, hey, he's trying to defy a duly passed law in Virginia and a governor on his own can't override that. And we've explained why that may or may not be true. But nonetheless, uh, it looks like the legislator is going to take that argument right off the table because yesterday, in a surprisingly lopsided vote of 29 to 9, with two Democrats not there, uh, the state Senate, which is narrowly controlled by the Democrats, uh, voted to give parents the power statewide or commonwealth-wide, to decide whether or not their kids are going to wear masks in schools. Now, Yunkin is going to tweak this a little bit, it looks like. He's going to uh, put a specific date that this is effective, and so it's got to be passed again, but I can't imagine that he's going to run into much problems again in the Senate or in the House, which is uh, run by the Republicans. So, uh, Jim, it's amazing to watch uh, the incendiary debate that happened just a couple of weeks ago against Glenn Youngkin fall apart as these other uh, Democrats across the country uh, suddenly decide that masks aren't necessary anymore. Greg, I would like to claim that this uh, writing a couple of weeks ago, Glenn Youngkin is going to win this fight. It's just a question of how and when. I'd like to claim psychic powers, but alas, <laughs> I'm much more like Sean Spencer on the TV show Psych. I am a fake psychic, um, but I could pretend that I hear voices telling me what's going to happen. No, what we're seeing here is the Omicron wave at that point had pretty much spiked uh, or was, you know, within a day or two of spiking. Cases were going to come down and the position of saying we should leave it up to parents was only going to look more reasonable as time went on. The argument of, hey, the Omicron cases are still really bad. That's really the last thin read they had for this. The mentality of parents was, you know, well ahead of that of school boards educators and, and folks like that. So the question I mean, in a you know state Senate that was split, 21 Democrats to 19 Republicans, it was always very likely that the Republicans were all going to unite behind this. The question would be, could the Democrats, all 21 of them, were they all willing to stand and take the heat for saying, no, parents, you must not have this choice. Your child must remain masked, even if you feel differently. And the moment Chap Peterson wrote that letter, the state senator from close to my neck of the woods, um, you know, it was kind of clear that, okay, there was already going to be some pushback, that there were certain Virginia, Northern, Northern Virginia Democrats who didn't want to uh, stand against parents on this one. And so at that point, it's like, okay, if Peterson went, then there was always a chance that at least one or two others was going to go with him. He would turn it, by the way, if, he, if just he had flipped, it would be a 2020 split and the uh, uh, lieutenant governor would break the tie. Instead, it ended up becoming just kind of, oh, the dams burst and, uh, it turned out to have 10 Democrats voting to, uh, to in support of this amendment, uh, and nine voted against it uh, to abstain. So technically, the Virginia Democratic Party that three weeks ago was saying that this was an extreme fringe position, only held by the right wing, 
couldn't even keep a majority of its own members to support their position on this issue. Um, as I put in today's jolt, you very rarely see the leadership of a party get so blindsided and be so utterly unaware of where they stood, not just with the state's electorate as a whole, but with their own rank and file members in the legislature. This is an embarrassing loss for them. They should be hiding their faces in shame. And the headline in today's jolt is, you know, Youngkin the Conqueror. Uh, now, the thing is, is all Youngkin had to do for this is basically wait. Time was on his side. And it was, you know, as you noted, it's probably going to take, you're going to have to pass through the House. They may want to reword it. There may be tweaking here and there. But in the end, uh, it you know, the Virginia State Democrats got way out into a limb that was never going to support their weight. Uh, and their position only got weaker as the governors of Connecticut and uh, Delaware and other states in New Jersey, states like that, said, "You know what? We're going to allow parents. We're going to allow parents, or we're going to allow local school boards to make the decisions. We're no longer having statewide mask mandates for kids in schools." Jim, the, you know what the argument is? Because I think we're already hearing it. Uh, the Democrats are going to say. Well, this isn't inconsistent. It's not that we were uh, finally convinced by the avalanche of parents who were uh, not very happy with us to change our minds here. When Glenn Youngkin issued this a whopping three and a half weeks ago, the situation with the, the virus was completely different. Now the science makes it clear that this is okay. Yeah, you know, Eileen Filler-Korn, uh, who's the House Minority Leader, made that argument and said, look, when Youngkin's executive order came on, cases were still surging. So I went back and checked. That's not really the case. The day he issued it was the peak uh, number of new cases in Virginia. Uh, I know, by the way, his executive order was going to take take effect January 24th. So actually, by the time his executive order would have gone into effect, if it had not been challenged, um, and the places where it wasn't challenged, you know, we'd already begun the downslope of the Omicron cases. Um, here in Virginia, we are well down that slope. Uh, we're now about a third of what they were in mid-January. The Omicron curve goes up very fast. The Omicron curve goes down really fast. And it's interesting, just right before we started taping there, Greg, I put up a new corner post. And I don't disagree with folks on the right who are saying, ah, look at these guys. They must have gotten polling data back. They must have gotten a memo. They're all making the same decision at once. These guys are ridiculous. They're trying to save their bacon, you know. And I don't dispute any of that, but I also think we should not poo-poo the fact that Omicron cases really are coming down really fast. In certain parts of the country, they are one-tenth today of what they were at the peak, which was usually around, you know, first, second week of January or something in there. As much as, you know, Democrats might be saying, it's not political pressure that's making me doing this, it's the science. They're actually correct in that the science says, yes, you should no longer be requiring people to wear masks the way they are. The Omicron wave is passing if it hasn't completely passed. Probably another like two, three. We'll, we'll still see cases continue to go down. But a bunch of places are, you know, either at where they were before uh, the Omicron wave or just a little bit, you know, uh, above it. And the cases are headed in the right direction. So as much as I enjoy dunking on them, and I think they deserve the dunking on them, I don't think we should give short trip to the fact that the science does justify alleviating the restrictions. And oh, by the way, as you know, we're, it's still pretty miserable out there, but as more, warmer weather gets here, people will spend more time outdoors, people spend less time indoors, and my suspicion is you'll see case numbers go even lower than they are right now. Yeah, also it looks like the truckers in Canada uh, getting their way, Saskatchewan and Alberta lifting uh, their 
requirements on a lot of different policies uh, when it comes to uh, COVID. Uh, perhaps my favorite thing was in Ottawa, Jim, where uh, the police ordered tow truck drivers to go tow the, the rigs out of uh, position, and the tow truck drivers joined the protest. And then they said, uh, hey, whatever you do, uh, citizens of Ottawa, don't bring gasoline to these truckers. We're banning the delivery of gasoline to them, and people were showing up with a gas can in each hand to help them out. So uh, I, I think they, even though Justin Trudeau says the mandates are there, uh, to help you. I can understand frustrations with mandates, but mandates are the way to avoid further restrictions. Uh, try to parse that logic. Uh, it's pretty obvious which side uh, has got the momentum up there, too. Greg, my favorite point was when Justin Trudeau complained that the truckers were disrupting the normal daily life of Canadians. <laughs> yeah, like the mandates have for the past two years. Yeah. Hey, hey, Trudeau, I found another one. Look in the mirror. Yeah, we're seeing... Uh, Indoor mask mandates also going away in uh, New York and Illinois, except for school children. So uh, good luck, Pritzker and Hochul. Uh, the parents are really going to be knocking on your door now. Uh, unbelievable that that's still uh, in place. But uh, anyway, more on that in uh, just a moment from a different perspective. But Jim, uh, in the meantime, if you've been pulling your hair out, hopefully you won't need to do that much longer as the Democrats are starting to give way on their on their mandates and their lockdowns and so forth here. But if uh, thinning hair has already been a problem, and it's not uh, induced by a stress over insane government policies, uh, there's good news for you. When it comes to thinning hair, you no longer have to choose between natural remedies and those that actually work. That's because there's a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs or prescriptions. It's called Nutrafol. Did you know that there are five root causes for thinning hair? Nutrafol is the hair supplement that goes beyond genetics to target stress, hormones, nutrition, metabolism, and environmental factors that may be impacting your hair. Nutrafol is clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage without compromise. 21 potent natural ingredients support better sleep and less stress, too. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three months and six months. And remember, Nutrafol is also trusted and recommended by more than 1,500 top doctors. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support the Three Martini Lunch by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code MARTINI. If you do that, you'll save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is Nutrafol's best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, there's free shipping on every single order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Martini. Again, Nutrafol.com, promo code Martini. All right, Jim, on to our first crazy martini now and watching the National Democratic pivot, not only on COVID, but just on policy in general, is absolutely dizzying at this point. Because yesterday you had Hakeem Jeffries, who's in the House Democratic leadership. Uh, uh, he was asked about uh, Democratic states, uh, blue states dropping mask mandates. And he says that's because under President Biden's leadership, a public health infrastructure is put into place to ensure that we can do everything possible to crush the virus. And that's what has been happening. So, yes, it's OK now. And Biden gets all the credit. Uh, then you got Dr. Fauci. Uh, he's out there saying that the full blown pandemic phase of coronavirus, uh, we're about to exit from that. But even beyond that. The, the U.S. Congress, with Pelosi and Schumer trying to jam every progressive wish list item down our throats for the past year, 
We're all supposed to forget that by November, Jim, because now we're going on to the moderate stuff, quote unquote. The House passed by a wide margin, a bill to uh, reform the Postal Service that even Trump's guy, who's still the Postmaster General, uh, was in favor of, and a lot of Republicans as well, got almost 400 votes. Uh, Also this week, uh, Chuck Schumer is uh, apparently pivoting more towards the bipartisan uh, side of things. Uh, The Hill reporting that he uh, plans to vote on legislation that would end the use of forced arbitration clauses to avoid sexual harassment and assault lawsuits. Uh, He would also work on a bill to strengthen the nation's cybersecurity infrastructure and a measure to improve U.S. competitiveness with China. Depending on the details, I think we like that as well. They're also trying to get their embattled uh, Democratic Senate incumbents who are up this year out there with some moderate ideas. For example, Arizona Senator Mark Kelly and Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire are out front leading the way uh, to suspend the federal gas tax for the remainder of the year to help consumers struggling with high gas prices, which we would all love, Jim. And I mean, it's probably a good martini in some way, because at least we're not going to have the insane left agenda uh, before Election Day. But it's kind of crazy that they think that voters are going to forget what they tried to pull for the last year. Uh, at the risk of using one of my cliches, Greg, there is indeed a lot to unpack here. Um, <laughs> but one of the one of the things that comes to mind. So, if if Fauci is saying we're not in the full blown phase of the pandemic, <laughs> does that mean we're now in the moderately blown phase of the pandemic? <laughs> I mean, I, I look at you know, like I'd say probably we, we've had a lot of really bad moments until the vaccines came along, but probably you know you think about like last Christmas or you know just this recent Christmas where. Everybody's getting together. Hopefully you're vaxxed. Maybe you're boosted, but you got elderly relatives coming. You really want to make, and of course, it's, you know, since Thanksgiving, everybody's got the sniffles. Like, oh, is this a cold? Is this a flu? Is this COVID? You'd really like to have a test and you can't find any. And, you know, you go to CVS and it's like a, they're trying to get a Cabbage Patch doll in the 1980s to get, you know, to get your hands on a test. <laughs> I call that, I, you know, I don't know, full blown. I'd say that was the completely blown part of the, the pandemic. That was the part that was, uh. Uh, oh, we don't mean blown that way. Okay. Anyway, um, another the other thing is to kind of summarize the the second martini. Uh, listeners, just to say, in other news, Mark Kelly and Maggie Hassan have realized they represent Arizona and New Hampshire. <laughs> Belatedly realizing this, five years, or you know, in the case of uh, of Kelly, a few years into his time in the Senate, Greg, I think I would disagree with suspending the federal gas tax until the end of the year. If it's too high, then we should lower it. Period. If it's not too high, then we should keep it the way it is. You, you know, basically, Kelly and his son might as, well, might as well just come out with the argument, we should lower the federal gas tax until the day after Election Day, pending a recount. <laughs> or a runoff or, or, or anything like that. No, no you know, you know, you know um, I think the federal gas tax is too high. But on the other hand, that's what goes towards our highways. Which, you know, I guess we don't need that because we have the infrastructure bill that's going to take care of that. You know, my attitude is... You know, when, when Democrats suddenly say, oh, I want a big sweeping tax cut and I want it from now until Election Day, <laughs> somehow I suspect they're less than fully committed to supply side economics. Um, it's it's kind of, yeah, we can applaud it because we we prefer these folks acting like moderates all the time. Um, but I'm uh, uh, you know pretty underwhelmed uh, by this. This looks like the desperate lunge towards the center after being pretty darn far to the left. I don't think voters in their states are going to... Uh, Forget you know who these two senators have been for the you know not just this cycle but in the case of Hassan for several cycles going back. So um, I, I you know come on <laughs> no nobody's fooled Kelly nobody's fooled Hassan we know who you are you're in for a rough re-election buckle up and get ready for it because it's coming for you. 
So you don't think they're, uh, these are not the droids you're looking for? Uh, <laughs> effort is going to work here? There has been kind of a smart strategy here, certainly from Kelly. I don't know. I've, I've paid less attention to Hassan. But uh, Kelly's been super-duper quiet on the bills that the progressives love. He's supported all of them. Uh, he supported uh, killing the filibuster for the voting thing, too. Uh, but now that there's at least one piece of legislation which he thinks would get him some positive press and positive feedback from voters in Arizona. Hey, look at me. I'm out front here. This is the only thing I've ever been working on. Yeah, Greg, I'm not sure if your reelection for, cam- for Senate, your campaign strategy is maybe they won't notice me. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, camouflage against the wall, trying to blend in. I'm not so sure. You know, any any Republican nominee, you know, could the Republicans screw this up? Yes, absolutely. We've, you know, we can go back to Sharon Angle against Harry Reid. Never underestimate Republicans' abilities to screw something up. But um, this is a fairly straightforward argument that Mark Kelly is a very left-wing senator representing a state that is not very left-wing. And the contrast with Kirsten Cinema, I think, works very well for whoever the Republican challenger is. The Republican challenger can say, look, I'm going to represent this state. My values are conservative, but I'm always going to do what's best for my state. And Kristen Cinema is exactly the kind of senator I can work with. And I think they'll work very well in that state. And we'll see how things shakes out. But, uh, you know, my, my guess is, is that Kelly, if Kelly was ready to run, be a senator for just a few years, and then have to run for reelection a little, you know, shorter than that six-year cycle, I don't think he was ready for Kirsten Cinema to go off on the route she has, making him the down-the-line Democrat and putting him in much tougher shape for uh, – uh, this coming election cycle. Yeah, this is the the six year term that John McCain won, and Kelly's the fourth person to hold this seat over this uh, six years. McCain, unfortunately, of course, passed away, and then John Kyle briefly held it, and then Martha McSally, and and then she lost to uh, Kelly. But he's got to now run for a full six year term. Uh, but his numbers are not good. I just assume every one of his ads is going to either begin or end with, "I'm Mark Kelly," and don't forget, I was an astronaut. It's running the uh, Bill Nelson strategy. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Isn't space cool, kids? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's why everybody likes you. Nobody likes you for anything you did as a senator. Yes, exactly. Well, uh, voters of Arizona, New Hampshire, other places where they're going to try to pull the wool over your eyes, don't fall for it because uh, you got a good night's sleep. You're not going to fall for that stuff after you get a good night's sleep. And that's because hopefully you've slept on a my pillow and the Giza Dream Sheets. And if you haven't, Go ahead and get them because you'll get an even better night's sleep, I would say. I sleep great on the Giza Dream Sheets and the uh, the My Pillows themselves. And right now, you can get a fantastic deal on those Giza Dream Sheets. For a limited time, you will receive 60% off any Giza Dream Sheets with a price as low as $39.99. But to get that price, you have to use our code MARTINI at MyPillow.com. The Giza Dream Sheets are made from the world's best cotton, grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. The long staple cotton makes these sheets ultra soft and breathable. The sateen weave gives them a luxurious finish. And these sheets are available in a variety of colors and sizes. The Giza Dream Sheets are machine washable and come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. They have a four-inch hem on the flat sheet and pillowcases. And the fitted sheets come with fully enclosed elastic hems with deep pockets. Right now, save 60% with the Giza Dream Sheets Flash Sale. Go to MyPillow.com, 
Click on the radio listener square and use the promo code Martini at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104 to get the Giza Dream Sheets for as low as $39.99. Massive discount. You'll also find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. These will be gone in a flash, so head to MyPillow.com, promo code Martini, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim. Just when we think we're done with the Cuomos, they pull us back in. Uh, this is a story we found over at uh, at Hot Air, but uh, it's uh, coming from the New York Post originally. Chris Cuomo is uh, willing to go away quietly, but it's going to cost you, CNN. Uh, CNN still owes Chris Cuomo $18 million on his contract. CNN claims that they don't have to pay him that because of his sexual harassment allegations. It uh, violated different clauses of the contract, so therefore uh, he is not owed that money. But Cuomo doesn't just want his $18 million, Jim. That's chump change. Uh, according to uh, uh, the New York Post, the anchor intends to demand as much as a 60 Six zero sixty million dollar settlement, according to sources. Multiple sources tell Page Six that Cuomo, who was fired in December for helping his brother fend off sexual harassment allegations, is ready to dig his heels in by claiming that Zucker not only knew about his dealings with the governor, but that the network boss had his own inappropriate dealings with Andrew. And he is prepared to demand, again, $60 million, uh, not $18 million. Uh, the line is, he wants Megyn Kelly money, which... Uh, you know, she, she got $69 million uh, when NBC gave her the boot uh, shortly into the Trump administration. So, uh, Jim, uh, this could get really ugly and really fun, depending on your uh, opinion of CNN and the Cuomos. But talk about an ugly breakup. You know, one of the observations, you know, you and I have talked about various figures in television news. And I have just periodically marveled at what a astonishingly immoral or amoral snake pit <laughs> the world of television news sometimes seems to be and it's really intriguing to hear the you know the comparison of oh you know he wants megan kelly money now megan kelly you know built her name as a tough smart butt-kicking interviewer over at fox news we all remember the infamous exchange with uh donald trump donald trump you know decide put her on the enemies list at that point and I don't know whether, you know, the attitude was she didn't feel welcome at Fox News after that or whether she didn't fit in. You do notice, you know, Megyn Kelly, uh, uh, Chris Wallace, uh, my friend Jonah, uh, Steve Hayes. There has been this, you know, uh, exodus from Fox News year by year over folks who were the uh, relatively critical of Trump, you know, Democrat folks over at that, uh, at that news network. So she goes to NBC, has the NBC show. She seemed to be doing a fine job there. Now she gave a he got a huge contract, and I suppose NBC was like, "Oh, we want to get rid of her." They had the they they found a controversy, decided to get rid of her. Boom. Now Megyn Kelly is thriving in what Greg, I think you and I would agree, easily one of the top two or three podcasts out there. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it's not this, but it's no. it's, it's just pretty darn good. You know. Um, but I just kind of you know, observing if you look at you know these stories about Jeff Zucker and the fact that he you know hired and spotlighted uh, Chris Cuomo. And brought back Jeffrey Tubin and uh, made all of these other, you know, Jim Acosta rising to become one of the faces of the network. Uh, Brian Stelter, you know, just like, you're like what, what is with 
network news? Why did these folks, like they're not just like not, you know, they're not smart. They're not good at their jobs. They just kind of give off this vibe of not being, like if you look at that crowd, it's not the least bit surprising that Michael Avenatti had become like the network, CNN's favorite guest for a couple of months in there. And now you look at this. And so this is where those of us who I, dear listeners, I hope you're not like this. I don't like thinking of myself as being like this. I will tell you, Greg Columbus is nothing like this. He's one of the finest men I've ever known. Oh, thank you. Um, but you look at this and you're like, why, you know, why does network, you know, what's it like working with those people? Well, now you see the consequences, right? It's, it's a circumstance where you always have to watch your back. And Chris Cuomo is in a situation where it's like, oh God, I was helping with my brother. I was consulting with him. I was basically using my position at the network to help him gather intelligence about the women who were accusing him of sexual harassment. That's a complete violation of every, you know, ethic and rule and ideal in journalism. Um, and you know, he should go off in shame. He should just go off and find something else to do with his life. And he's not. And instead he's very, very angry at CNN. CNN has wronged him, right? And thus he's decided to, boom, I'm going to expose Zucker and his affair with his vice president. All right. You know, but now like, in other words, CNN is reaping what it has sowed by bringing in all of these people and by cultivating all of these egos and by cultivating this attitude of I can do whatever I want and how dare you question me and stuff like that. And by the way, Greg, let's keep in mind, um, this is all after uh, the network. This is, this is the same network that hired Elliot Spitzer and put him in prime time. <laughs> and then was shocked. Low, first of all, and that's going to shock you listeners. Women, women viewers didn't like it. Go figure, you know. Uh, it was originally Kat Parker Spitzer because Kathleen Parker was his co-host. And I know, again, this is, you're probably going to want to sit down for this. A female co-host did not have a good experience with Elliot Spitzer. I, I know, it's shocking, stunning. But you're looking at this and it's like, Jesus, this is like, who, who's running that network? Caligula? You know, it's just this like one creep after another. And, you know, bringing back, to, no wonder Tubin, you know, got brought back. He was only harassing himself. Um, anyway, so you just look at that. This story in which, you know, CNN and Cuomo are locked in this expensive, litigious, dirt-leaking battle. Greg, I look at it. They deserve each other. They deserve each other. These are the consequences. They have reaped. Now they will sow. Or they've sowed and now they have reaped. I did it the other way around. You can tell my lack of agricultural. Uh, I write about agricultural <laughs> subsidies. I don't farm anything. But anyway, CNN is getting what it deserves. And all we can say is pass the popcorn. Oh, man. Hey, you reminded. I don't think we ever even mentioned that Michael Avenatti got convicted again. Uh, and is well, looking that's, that happens every day. <laughs> that's, it's not even news anymore. It happens so frequently. But hey, remember that time that Chris Cuomo was caught on camera absolutely losing his temper at the guy who called him Fredo because it was such a slight? And now you got Chris Cuomo telling CNN, hey, it'd be a shame if all your secrets got out if you don't pay me $60 million over here. Yeah, a little Fredo-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. The strongest argument that Chris Cuomo is not the dumb brother is Andrew Cuomo. (laughs) Uh, They're not going away. I've also heard rumors, Jim, that they're going to maybe start a podcast together. I'm not too worried about it, but, uh, you know. Bring it on, Cuomo (laughs) brothers. Bring it on. Anyway, quite a day. Jim, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you have not already. Please tell your friends about us as well. We'd love to have them join us each day. Uh, thank you very much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. They help us out a great deal. Uh, get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. 
Have a great Wednesday, and please join us again on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next.